We come this morning to the end of the book of James. We look at James chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in his working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. May the Lord bless and use uh, his word today. <laughs> uh, quick question this morning. Uh, who is signing up for, for this adventure right here? That looks really great. I mean, if you like to go places where not many other people have been, this, this looks like a pretty good thing. If you like to go someplace where you can get a really nice picture, maybe something you can post on Instagram, this looks like maybe a, a place that you could go. And, and there's a part of me that, that's kind of fascinated by that and interested in that, but there's many, many other parts of me that's really, really scared of that. And, and I think part of what really, really scares me of that is it's those, those, all of those cables right there. Because you see, those cables right there that are probably made of the same material that my, my water hose that I bought at Home Depot is from, uh, the, 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 those things are what is keeping that astronaut alive. Uh, it is what is keeping them tethered from being sucked off into the furthest regions of outer space. It is what is giving them the oxygen to survive. And all I would do is just spend my entire time saying, is this connection still here? Is it still here? Am I still connected? Am I still tethered? Am I still in place? Do I still have oxygen? Am I still going to be able to live? Because this is an impossible place to live. As I looked more about that picture, I just thought about your life and my life as we live in a world that maybe is not quite that impossible but it's not an easy place to live and the thing about it is is that we do have a tether that keeps us in place we do have a tether that gives us the very oxygen for us to breathe and that is our relationship with God and my concern was, is I don't know whether I am obsessed with that tether in my spiritual life today as I would be if I was there. Even though spiritually, in every part of my life, I am just as dependent on that tether holding me in place, giving me life, giving me oxygen as that astronaut is. So I think one of the things that we kind of think about during the week is we have a great Sunday uh, and we have a wonderful time in worship and we're encouraged by being around other believers in Christ. But one of the questions that sometimes we walk away with, but how do I stay connected during the week? 
And so that's part of the things that we're going to talk about this morning as we finish these last items in the book of James. Now James, remember, has been the, the, the writer who talks about active faith. Remember, he's been talking for some time. He says, listen, your faith isn't just about what you say, and it's not just about what you believe, but it is what you say and what you believe that leads to action. He is calling for us to be active believers. And so this morning, I want us to think in this last section of the book of James, what it means to be an active believer. So as we take a look at the passage this morning, the first thing that I want you to know is that an active believer, an active believer sees everything, every situation as a devotional opportunity. An active believer sees every situation as a devotional opportunity. Let's take just a moment and let's think about the word devotional. For some of you who have grown up in church, you think about your devotions or your devotional activity is something that you do on a daily basis where you spend a certain amount of time in prayer, a certain amount of time in the Word of God, and maybe it's at the beginning of the day, maybe it's at the end of the day, maybe it's at lunchtime, but we call it having your devotions. That's kind of our background on how we see that. But what I want to do is I want to back up just a little bit further from that, and what I mean by this is the activity that reveals our devotedness or our commitment to the things of God. It is the things that keep us tethered and connected to the things of God. And what I want you to know is that an active believer sees every situation, circumstance that we are in in our lives as an opportunity to express that devotion and that commitment and that connectedness to God. I had the opportunity this week uh, to visit uh, college Sunday school class here, a college Bible study in our church this week. And as we spent time together, one of the things that they were asking, one of the things that they were doing is they were making a list of every emotion that they had experienced this week. Well, that was really interesting to think about. How many different emotions have you experienced this week? A lot of times we just kind of cycle through emotions so fast, you could even make a pretty good list in the last 30 minutes. What are the emotions that you have experienced in the last day? James almost does the same thing. He kind of has a checklist here at the beginning of this passage. He says, is anyone here suffering? And he looks for a show of hands. Is anyone here cheerful? Is there anyone here who's sick? And in just a few minutes, he's going to talk about anyone here who is in sin. Now, as I spent time with this this week, I, I kind of wondered which one of those four are easier to find, someone who's suffering, someone who's cheerful, someone who's sick, or someone who's in sin. I won't ask you the, I won't tell you the conclusion that I came out of which one of those is the hardest person uh, to find cheerful um, in, in, the, in the world today. You got to go looking for somebody who, who's cheerful in the world today. But what this passage says is that let's think about the experience that you're having today. Are you suffering? Are you cheerful? Are you sick? Are you in sin? Because he says each one of those experiences that you are in the middle of, he says there is a devotional, spiritual, devotedness response. He says if you are suffering, that person should pray. So in this week, if you have been going through a hard time, if right now you are going through a hard time, then you should pray. It says, is anyone cheerful? 
well, that person should sing praises. And not just here in church, but just an opportunity to, to vocalize and say, man, God, you have blessed me. You have cared for me. You are an awesome God, and I celebrate that. He even says, is anyone among you sick? He says, call for the elders. Let them come pray over you. Let them anoint you with oil. Let, let, let them ask God for healing on your life. And then in the passage, he also talks about the people who are sin. And he says, if you are in sin, what you need to do is you need to confess your sin to one another. You need to confess that sin. So are you suffering? You need to turn that to God. Are, are you cheerful? You need to turn that to God. Are you sick? You need to turn that to God. Are you in sin? Then you need to turn that to God. And I think that's an obvious thing. How different would your week be if everything that came up in front of your life, everything that popped up on the radar of your life, you turn that to the things of God. Suffering, cheerfulness, sickness, sin, every one of those things you turned to the thing of God. Now, there's an interesting part of this passage of Scripture because there seems to be a little bit of an insinuation, a little bit of, of a teaching here that says that there is a connectedness between sickness and sin. And I think that's always kind of a curiosity when we come to this passage of Scripture. Ask for the healing, and, and if you have sin, it'll be forgiven. And there seems to be a connectedness between the sickness and sin. And the reality is that, that there are some cases where our physical sickness has been caused by our spiritual sickness. In fact, Scripture teaches in several different places of a connectedness between, listen, the reason why some of you are sick is because of this sin. And then that pops up in Scripture multiple, multiple times. So we have to take that seriously that sometimes our physical sickness comes because of our spiritual sickness. And part of what James is teaching here is that connectedness that says, listen, if you need to be healed physically, then you need to make sure that you are healed spiritually as well because sometimes our physical sickness and our spiritual sickness are connected. So I want us to take that word seriously. But I also want you to take seriously that sometimes our spiritual sickness does not lead to physical sickness. There is not always a spiritual Pinocchio principle that the more that you sin, the higher your body temperature rises. That there is a thing, well, this much sin, you're this much sick. There's not a definite locked in all the time connection between sin and sickness. Sometimes there is, but it's not always because not every sickness is caused by sin and not every sin causes sickness. And in fact, really, that's the thing that I would want to spend just a moment or two thinking about this morning, is that I, I would tell you that sin matters in our life, even when it doesn't lead to physical sickness. I think sometimes we, we spend so much time talking about, well, there are some sins that lead to sickness. Boy, I better take care of that sin. Well, well there are some sins that don't lead to sickness. And you know what? You really ought to take care of that sin as well. And so as James goes through all of these matters in life, suffering, cheerfulness, sickness, sin, he says every single one of these things should be turned to the things of God. It is an opportunity to turn it over to him. Sin needs to be dealt with, 
even when it doesn't lead to sickness. Every part of our life, every experience, every circumstance is an opportunity for us to turn things to God. Suffering, cheerfulness, sickness, sin, all of those things is a calling, an opportunity, an invitation to increase the devotional depth of your life. I would also tell you that the active believer, the active believer lives connected to other believers. The active believer lives connected to other believers. We, we, we looked at these devotional acts that you can have, praying and cheerfulness and calling the elders uh, and, and, and confessing the sin. All of those things are things that you do, but he also says that you really need to do it not just by yourself. In fact, I, I want you to kind of go back through the text here. Uh, he says, now listen, you have prayed, now get somebody else to pray with you. In fact, he says here, call the elders who will come and pray for you. Now, the elders here are the spiritual leaders. They can be the pastors uh, of the church. It could be anyone who has been identified as a spiritual leader and oversight person in the life of, of the church. But it says, listen, it is not just you. If you really have a need, find someone else who can pray for you. He says, confess your sins to one another. And that's kind of hard. Now, we have to make sure that we do this in a way that's not bragging. <laughs> it's not making a list. You wouldn't believe the 11 sins that I had this week. I mean, they were some of the worst sins you've ever seen. No, 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 this is, this is brokenheartedness. This is coming with humility. This is coming with conviction, be a convicted spirit that, that is broken. And says, I, I just need to say out loud that I have struggled and I have sinned and I have failed in this way. He says, listen, we don't just have a devotional life that's just vertical. But he says our devotional life also is impacted horizontally. He says, if you need some prayer, ask someone else to pray for you. If you've got sin, confess it to one another. Now keep in mind, he just told us a few verses earlier. He says, listen, don't grumble about one another. He says, confess your your sins to one another, even the same people that you are tempted to grumble about. Confess your sins to one another. And then he says, look out for one another. This is your responsibility as part of a connected faith life is that we're supposed to look out for one another. The last couple of verses there in the chapter, the last couple of verses in the book says, listen, be careful. There are some people who are walking away from their faith and any person who helps bring them back saves that person and covers a multitude of sins. It's a huge deal. Our hearts break when we see someone walk away from the faith. Our hearts break when we see someone who, who was a person who was locked in, who was spiritually sound, who, who was faithful in their faith. And then they're not anymore. I try to think sometimes, what, what is it that causes people to walk away? I think there are several reasons. One is the, is the temptation of the world. I mean, let's be honest. There, there's stuff out there with some glitzy signs. There, there's some stuff out there making some, 
some big promises. Listen, if you will pursue this, if you will join us in this, if you will agree to this, if you will participate in this, then, then, then your life will be better. You know, those, those are empty promises. But man, we've fallen for empty promises before, haven't we? And we we're, we're constantly being bombarded by that. And if our filter isn't careful, then we can fall for some of those lies. And so there are people that we know and that we love, people who have been part of our church, people who have been part of other churches that have stepped away from the faith because of the temptation of this world. But I would also tell you that there are people who have stepped away from the faith and stepped away from their own commitments because of disappointment with the church. Disappointment with the church. Uh, someone read this passage with us this week. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulties for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, treacherous, Ooh, this is a list, isn't it? Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But here's the sentence that catches me. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. This is a description of people who look like, sound like, behave like they're the church, but are not allowing the transforming work of God to move and rearrange their life. And there are some people who have walked away from faith because they've looked at the people who claim faith and says they have the appearance of godliness, but there is no presence or evidence of a life being changed by the Spirit of God at all. And they walk away because our words and our actions don't match. Some people walk away because of the temptation of the world. Sometimes people walk away because of their disappointment with the church. And then some people walk away just because suddenly they became isolated from relationships. Something happens. Uh, sometimes maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's some life events. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it is a change of a schedule. But whatever it is, suddenly they're just not as present anymore. And for a period of time, they are severed from relationships. And sometimes it feels like they've been forgotten. And sometimes maybe they have forgotten the importance of the connectedness to the faith community. And sometimes the faith community has forgotten that they exist or that we still care for them and that we still love for them. And we are called to pursue them. I think one of the things, one of the mistakes that we make today, probably a mistake that we've always made, but probably a greater mistake just the way life is today, that when we haven't seen somebody in church in a little while, we've decided that they've made an intentional, intellectual decision to stop coming to church, and sometimes it's just been life has gotten in the way. 
And because life has gotten in the way, they've been disconnected. And what they need more than anything else is somebody to call them, text them, see them, and say, hey, we missed you. Your seat's still open. Why don't you come back? You see, active faith lives connected. We ask other believers to pray for us. We confess our sin to one another. And when somebody is missing, we go looking for them because their life still counts even if we haven't seen them in six weeks. We draw people back. I would also tell you in this passage of Scripture that an active believer deeply depends on prayer. An active believer deeply depends on prayer. Now James has been telling us all the way through, he says, you've got to be people who do stuff. And then he tells us here, do you really want to do something? you really want to accomplish something? you really want to be a doer? He says, if you really want to be a doer, he says, then pray. For the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. If you really want to do something, if you want to be a person who does more than just nod your head and say the right words and have the appearance of godliness, then one of the foundational experiences that you need to have in your life is that you need to be a person who prays. Now James has been laying a foundation for this for some time, but he tells us that prayer, some translations, and the one that you may remember the most, says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's able to do much. It gets things done. The best way to say it is powerful as it is working. James has been talking about this faith for some time. And in fact, throughout the book of James, he's kind of been laying out some principles that are really, really important about prayer. And we've talked about them recently. He, he talks about the need to be patient. When we pray, we have to be patient because God's agenda is not necessarily on our timetable. And so we, we need to pray and be patient. We also talked about the man going on the journey for business that we need to be yielded to what God's will is above everything else so that when we pray, we are patient because God's timing is perfect and much bigger than ours. That we are yielded because his purpose matters more than ours. But if we go all the way back to James chapter 1, I want to also remind you that James chapter 1 and verse 17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. We need to be patient we need to be yielded, and we need to remember that God is always good. He's always good. Everything that is good comes from one source, and it is God. And so that when we pray, we pray with patience, we pray with yieldedness, but we depend on the goodness of God. There is no safer place to lay your life patiently and yielded other than in the goodness 
the goodness, the goodness of God. Now, in this passage, James really kind of unpacks a couple of the different elements to prayer. I told you that, that uh, I've told you on multiple times that prayer remains something that I still cannot fully explain what happens when we pray. But, but in this passage, he points out to three components of prayer that are all happening. The first thing is, he talks in verse 15, he says, The prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. It is the activity of praying. I remember James prayed in chapter 1. He says, don't pray like a double-minded person who isn't sure whether he can trust the person he's praying to or not. He says, pray with faith, believing. And so one of the components of prayer is that, how do I put this? You pray. You know, prayers that haven't been prayed are not as good as prayers that have been prayed. If you want to pray about something, then, then you should pray about it. But also, as we look at this, it says in verse 15, it says, The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So we pray, but God is the one who acts. God is the one who does it. It is not necessarily the influence of my prayer. It is the activity, the work of God. I'm not a great prayer. I pray to a great God. God is the one who does the work. But there's one more part of this that I'm still trying to figure out. It says at the end of verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power it's working. There is some element that says who's praying has an impact. Now, the first thing that it says here is that the prayer of a righteous person, what you need to hear is that any person who pursues the things of God is heard by God. A few verses earlier, it says, call the elders to pray. But this is also saying it doesn't have to be someone who's been identified by the church as a spiritual leader of the church. This is anyone who is pursuing the things of God. Any person who is seeking after God, their prayers make a difference. Now again, I don't necessarily know that this says that godly people get more prayers answered. I, I can't say that. But there is a connection between the faith and the life of the person and what God does. Now, I will tell you that I think a big part of this it's not so much that a godly person gets more prayers answered, but a godly person knows what to pray for more often. They know how to pray with patience. They know how to pray in a yielded life. They know the goodness of God and his priorities and his kingdom above everything else. But we pray, God acts, and somehow the more that we pursue God and his purpose and his priorities and his patterns, the more that we pursue God, the more that our prayers are answered. And that connectedness, that tether remains in place. This morning, we think about how does this impact our lives. 
the first thing that I'd just encourage you to think about is maybe a couple times this week, make a list of the things that you experienced. Maybe of your suffering, maybe of your cheerfulness, maybe of your sickness, maybe of your sin, maybe of your emotions, maybe of whatever it is that you experience. Just make a list someplace, maybe, maybe on the back of this bulletin. And then think about, okay, how did I process that? Did, did, did I take that suffering, that sin, that cheerfulness, that sickness, did I take that and did I deliver it to God? And did that become part of my devotional life attached to Him? I would also challenge you to live your life connected to other believers. Now, what that means is you've got to be you got to be here. And you've got to be present if you want to live connected. Then you've got to be here. And there are times that you need to open your life and that you need to share some stuff that's going on in your life. And you need to just be vulnerable in that moment. That also means that sometimes you need a person who receives that vulnerability. You need to be the kind of person who, who receives that story that someone tells you. We can't just be connected one way. You've got to receive that as well. Now, does that sound risky? Yeah, it can be. But you and I know that the best things of life have always come with risk. But I would also say, church, I need a group that will rise up in the life of this church that will make sure that this place remains a safe place so that when people do open their lives and share some of their hurts or their struggles, that this will be one of the safest, most protected places that you can ever be. And if you ever hear somebody that is doing harm to someone to their face or behind their back, say, man, not here. Not here. Not here. So I challenge you to be one of those folks that shares, that receives, and that protects. And then I would say that this may be one of the most important sermons for somebody who's not here today but you are, and their name has come to mind when we talked about people who have drifted, whether they have been pulled by the world, whether they've been disappointed by the church, or whether they've just been isolated by relationship. You're supposed to make contact with them this week. You have a specific person that you're supposed to make a connection with. Make sure you establish relationship. Make sure that you care about them more than their attendance in church. But make sure that part of what you care about is their spiritual life and their connectedness. But you could rescue somebody just this week. You thought they were mad or they'd reject or they'd walked away. They thought they'd been forgotten and that nobody cared. Man, this could be the most important sermon 
for somebody who's not here today. Let's pray.